Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. This is where Montana Talks. Yeah, I think Andy and Whitefish uh, was kind of making a similar point that, uh, or qu- raising a similar question that I had watching the uh, national championship FCS football game yesterday with the uh, University of Montana Grizzlies against uh, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Uh, first, though, um, I thought it was interesting listening to Coach Jimmy Rogers from South Dakota State. Uh, at during the post game, I, I was watching the game with my cousin and and Coach Jimmy Rogers when he was being you know interviewed uh, after after the end of the game when uh, you know the Jackrabbits just uh, pounced all over uh, the Grizz yesterday in the national championship. Although the, the Grizz had a great first quarter, I mean, and they held their own for the first half. I mean, I thought it was a good sign the fact that that the Grizz didn't get trounced in the first half that it was only three to seven at halftime and. They had a couple opportunities to put some big points on the board. They just couldn't convert. But uh, but but then it was like two minutes before. Well, anyway, before I get to that, Coach Jimmy Rogers, he, he said afterwards how he was really going to miss this crew. And I asked my cousin, I said, well, what did he mean by that? I, I said, Coach Rogers isn't leaving, is he, right? Because he just took over for Coach Stig, who was the longtime uh, South Dakota State University coach and you know coach Stig took the team to the national championship last year and then now coach Jimmy Rogers uh, took took the team to the national t- not only to the national championship but won the national championship this year and I said what was that reference about it? he said well apparently they got a bunch of seniors uh, so they're going to be losing a lot of their crew uh, for next year so hey maybe maybe either the the Grizz or the Cats could have a uh, a shot at, at winning it all next year because because uh, I'll tell you what uh, you know the uh, the Grizz got a, a great backup quarterback who you know named Ayat whose dad was also a uh, a Montana Grizz great back in the day and Ayat didn't get put in the game until until there was about 90 seconds left to go and I partly wonder and I think Andy and Whitefish kind of agrees here you know it looked like uh, the the UM quarterback McDowell was you know was struggling like his his leg was hurting him that he got hurt with about two minutes to go before halftime and then he just never fully recovered after that couldn't get out of the pocket for the entirety of the second half and I just I just just wonder why why they didn't put give Ayat a shot there a little bit earlier uh, and and again it kind of reminded me of of when the Bobcats were playing the Grizz and I think everybody kind of expected the Bobcats to have an incredible run this year like the Grizz ended up having. Um, but when the Bobcats were playing the Grizz in Missoula, it was like, hey, you got two great quarterbacks. If the one quarterback just isn't isn't, you know, getting the job done for you uh, after a while, why not get the other guy in there? Give the other guy a shot. And so I thought the same thing yesterday. But uh, lots to talk about this morning here on Monday's Montana Talks. We've got the phone lines open for you for the next two hours. Anything and everything you want to talk about big news on the border security front the spending battle back in washington dc uh and and so much more to talk about but we want to hear what you want to talk about give us a ring 406-294-0970 or you can message us on our montana talks app as well and uh, that's a quick way for you to be heard all across montana by just sending us a quick message We'll take a quick break, and then we'll jump right back into it here with Montana Talks, the show where you get to talk and be heard all across Montana. So, uh, yeah, give us a call. We'll take a quick break and then be back.
Well, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Do you guys remember when an LGBTQ rainbow flag was vandalized in Miles City? Remember all of the news media and all the attention that story got? Got a lot of attention, right? Well, now that a Christian symbol was vandalized in Miles City, Montana, a Christmas display at a veteran's park vandalized in Miles City. How come this story isn't getting that much attention? Well, you can see the story at MontanaTalks.com right now or see it on This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. You know, one of the things I liked, I, I mentioned a line that uh, South Dakota State coach uh, Jimmy Rogers uh, shared yesterday uh, after winning the national championship. I, I mentioned a line that he shared. Well, there was there was a line that UM coach Bobby Houck had and i think this was during like a post-game interview i think he was doing like a sit-down interview with one of the tv sports reporters might have been after the cat grizz game i can't remember but he had a line and i, I love this line because i know that when i heard it i i just had to laugh my wife and i both laughed because we're like oh you know that you know the liberals on the um campus aren't gonna like that one uh and anyway and so I don't know about you guys, but I, I know some of our listeners, they, you know, if we talk sports a little too much, they're like, hey, Aaron, sports gets enough attention. Let's talk about some other stuff. And I, I get where they're coming from, right? Uh, but I, what I love about sports, though, are some of the life lessons that you learn. I do feel like whether it's sports or whether it's working a part-time job when you're a kid in school, I, f I feel like you learn so much about life. I feel like you learn so many fundamentals that make you successful later later in life. Something that a classroom can't always can't always teach. Um, and and I think some of those life lessons are a better lesson and a better education than a lot of the the, the lessons you're going to get in a classroom. Now I'm not I'm not saying that classroom lessons are not important. I'm just saying that life lessons are huge. But anyway, Coach Bobby Hogg, he had a line during this TV interview, and I, I wish I had, had saved it so I could go back and play it. But he, he talked about how he believes that, that what his players learn on the football field is the best learning they will get in their college career. And I have to say I agree with him. Because of those life lessons that they learn and because, you know, learning how to be a part of a team and learning how to, to fight through adversity and how not to give up. I, I, I think those are lessons that can't be taught in a classroom, that you can't read about in a book. You've got to do it. You've got to fight through it. And so I love that he said that line because I'm sure the, you know, the, the, the liberal establishment uh, uh, professors at the University of Montana <sighs> were clutching their pearls over that one. Uh, but I think he was right. And and. In other life lessons, you know, um, after South Dakota State won their back-to-back -back championship yesterday, I was thinking back to my interview in Whitefish with uh, former South Dakota State coach, Coach Stig, John Stigelmeyer. And, you know, he, he not only knew about lessons in the classroom, but he also knew about lessons in life, lessons that you would learn on the football field. And so as a geometry teacher, as a math teacher, he had kind of these life lessons that he integrated into the South Dakota State program. So a lot of people are saying, man, yeah, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, man, they, 
they took out the Bobcats last year, and that man, they they took out the Grizz, you know, yesterday in the national championship. And so, what is it about this program that has built SDSU into the strength that it is right now? And I think a lot of it, you could say, you know, and I felt like I got a, a, a you know, because back here in Montana, we we hear a lot of talk about the Cats and the Grizz, and and so we we don't know necessarily that much about South Dakota State. But because I was in Whitefish with the Montana Equipment Dealers. And I got a chance to hear Coach Stig, uh, speak. You get kind of a window into that world, and so, so he had these postulates. These were these life lessons that Coach Stig kind of wrote down and kind of built into their program. And I think you could see that even on the field yesterday. Even though, even though now Jimmy Rogers is the coach. Well, Jimmy Rogers played under Coach Stig. And then he ended up coaching under Coach Stig. And then Jimmy Rogers is now a national champion head coach himself as well. Um, last week, we joked about how, you know, there were these Grizz fans that were all criticizing Bobby Houck. They were saying, ah, he's not the same Bobby Houck he was in 2009. Bobby Houck needs to go. He's not the man for the Grizz program this year. And and they were sharing their own tweets from back in September of last year when the Grizz lost to Northern Arizona University. And so and, and then they were they were joking because well see you in Frisco for the national championship because the very coach that they were attacking is now leading the team to a a, a national uh, championship football game right and so th- there's a good life lesson in itself which is hey don't listen to what the crowd has to say about you keep keep fighting on keep moving forward right well the the, uh, the coach Stig uh, it's the Jimmy Rogers postulate and. And I thought this was cool, seeing Jimmy Rogers on the sideline uh, yesterday. Coach Stig said this. He says, when Jimmy Rogers showed up, when he got off the bus at South Dakota State University, he says, if you looked at Jimmy, you wouldn't offer him a scholarship. If he walked off your bus, you would not say, that guy's going to be a player. He's a backup. Whatever the scenario is, the physical conditioning test, the true speed test, he wasn't good enough to play according to the test that they had established. He said, but what was inside Jimmy Rogers was beyond good enough to play. He, he said Jimmy Rogers was the best leader that they ever had in their SDSU program as a player on the field. And then Jimmy Rogers, of course, became the head football coach. And anyway, um, back when we were in Whitefish back in, I think it was October, Coach Coach Stig talked about how Jimmy Rogers was you know, like a son, so to speak, to, to his wife and to him. Uh, and so he talked about the coach's dedication to the game of football and to South Dakota State University. And so Coach Stig's point was y- you can't judge a player just by looking at him. You know, and, and if they had listened to the crowd, they probably never would have given Jimmy Rogers the time of the day. And if Coach Houck had listened to the crowd, he probably would have quit after the Northern Arizona game. So anyway, just I, I just thought that was a couple of cool thoughts that came to mind uh, after the the big game yesterday. Lots to talk about from uh, uh, from the invasion on our southern border to the latest uh, spending battle fight on Capitol Hill and much more. We'll get to that right after this. And uh, phone lines are open for you, 294-0970. Securing America. The southern border continues to be one of the main focal points concerning America's national security following a month which saw Customs and Border Patrol agents record more than 300,000 encounters with illegal migrants in December. Speaker of the House Mike Johnson said on CBS's Face the Nation Sunday 
The status quo is unmaintainable. You have to stop the flow first before you can uh, commence with the, uh, with the surgery, and okay. we, we're hemorrhaging here. Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma said on Fox News Sunday the immigration system needs fundamental change. Let's change the way we're handling asylum so that real asylees get in and folks that are just gaming the system to be able to be here for a decade before their hearing is done, they're actually turned around. Ohio Republican Congressman Jim Jordan said on Fox's Sunday Morning Futures, Americans are out of patience. Polling shows 8 out of 10 Americans know that this is a crisis on our southern border, so we've got to deal with that. Kim Uretsky, Fox News. State of Montana, from the peaks of the Beartooth to the banks of the Clark Fork River, this is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Basically, the question that Maria Bartiromo asked Congressman Jim Jordan on Sunday Morning Futures yesterday was, are you willing to risk shutting the government down to ensure that border security measures get put into effect. And he said, yes. And I think the American people are demanding it. And I would uh, fully agree with Congressman Jim Jordan. In fact, it, it got me thinking about this over the weekend. If our border is not secure, effectively there is no government. At least where government matters the most, right? My, my point being is that is that the spin out there is, well, if, if Republicans press that we need to secure our border and, and they're willing to shut the government down, my point is the government is shut down. If you look at what is taking place in America, effectively, our government is shut down. That's why people are invading this country right now. The government is shut down. The government is not up and running. The government is not doing what the government is fundamentally job number one supposed to be doing, which is securing this country and securing our borders. No borders, no nation. And so, so uh, you know, I think the, the, the real message this week is end the government shutdown. Secure our southern border. Joe Biden and John Tester have shut down down government from government's number one job which is securing and protecting americans and protecting our borders and defending this country that's what the federal government is supposed to do and they're not doing it uh anyway uh yeah here you go here's part of what uh well let let me get to that in just a second here i'll play i'll play the audio uh what jim jordan had to say in response to that question from maria bartiromo here in just a second but but first let's let's talk about you know, uh, something that's going on with you on a personal level and something that you can actually change. Uh, you don't have to wait on Washington for this one. Hey, if you're somebody who was struggling with pain for the entirety of 2023, you know, whether it was a pain, painful hip or uh, painful knees, uh, painful lower back, well, don't don't waste the entirety of 2024 dealing with that pain as well when you can actually deal with it. You can actually do something about it. Uh, and you can do something that doesn't involve surgery, that doesn't, doesn't involve pain meds, and the downtime that might be associated with surgery as well. QC Kinetics is now on the ground here in Montana, and they're the nation's leader in regenerative non-surgical pain relief. 
And what that means is they take the healing agents that are already in your body and they put those directly into your achy joints. You can call them uh, for this revolutionary treatment. It's not just a Band-Aid. This is a treatment that can get you moving again. Call them. Call QC Kinetics for a free consultation today, 406-201-6263. That's QC Kinetics, 406 201 6263. All right, so Maria Bartiromo on Sunday Morning Futures asked Jim Jordan, are you willing to shut uh, you know, to shut down the government in order to press uh, for border security? And, and, of course, he says yes, and, and I agree with him. I think the American people would stand with, with uh, congressional Republicans this time around as well. I think we have to because I think that's what the American people demand. I mean, right now, polling shows eight out of 10 Americans know that this is a crisis on our southern border. So we've got to deal with that. That's, again, why why Speaker Johnson took the largest delegation ever to the border this past week. We saw firsthand how serious it was. And we heard from everyone, sheriffs. We heard from Border Patrol agents about how 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 bad this problem is. And they want us to go to the mat to solve this now instead of continuing on this pace that will get us to, as I said, 12 million illegal migrants coming into the country, being released into the country under the Biden presidency. Yeah, well said by Congressman Jim Jordan on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo. By the way, I thought this was kind of, uh, you, you just have to laugh at this. I'd say it's funny, but it's, it's uh, uh, we, we can't laugh at this invasion that's taking place on our southern border. But uh, this, is, uh, this is just, uh, I mean, you just have to laugh at this stuff. You have to shake your head at this stuff. So Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who is responsible for allowing this invasion on our southern border, who is ignoring the law, who is responsible for this treasonous attack on our southern border. Oh, he's finally going to Eagle Pass, Texas, one of the biggest hot spots in the migrant surge at the southern border. So now Secretary Mayorkas is planning to meet with Customs and Border Protection personnel, Border Patrol leadership, and other local officials. The visit comes just two days before the House Homeland Security plans to hold a hearing about his potential impeachment. CBP sources say there have been more than 785,000 migrant encounters since October 1st, including more than 302,000 in December alone. Fox News cameras captured a group of migrants over the weekend, but the mass crossings have scaled down as the temperatures drop in Eagle Pass. Uh, Mexican migration authorities say their crews uh, had to help a, a, a mother and four children and rescue them from the frigid waters while they were trying to cross the river to Eagle Pass. Apparently, they were stuck in the water for seven hours. But that's just, you know, some of the, the, the dangers that await uh, people uh, that are lured in uh, to this dangerous trek, uh, which is largely controlled by the, the Mexican drug cartels and the human traffickers on our southern border. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, when it comes to that impeachment hearing, let me see what the latest is on that. Uh, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, yeah, here he goes. I, I think this is a sign that he knows uh, how much trouble he is in. He, you know, maybe House Republicans uh, haven't been able to press forward on an impeachment proceeding fully. They've, they've, they're, they're in the in the impeachment inquiry phase against Joe Biden right now. Uh, but I think Alejandro Mayorkas knows that that he could be the first on the chopping block here. So no wonder he's now uh, planning this trip 
to Eagle Pass, Texas, just two days uh, before his impeachment hearings start. Alejandro Mayorkas will appear before the House's Homeland Security Committee Wednesday as the flow of illegal migrants at the southern border continues in record numbers. House Speaker Mike Johnson said on CBS's Face the Nation Sunday, Mayorkas simply isn't doing his job. We've been asking uh, Alexand- uh, Secretary Mayorkas since he took office to enforce the law, to do his job, and he's done exactly the opposite. Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma said on Fox News Sunday that the problem comes from the top. The problem that Secretary Mayorkas has is that he's working for the President of the United States, and these are the President's policies. During an interview with Fox's Brett Baer last week, Mayorkas would not answer whether he'd resign if impeached. Kevin Uresky, Fox News. Now, meanwhile, congressional Republicans and Democrats say they have made a deal for a framework to avoid a government shutdown. Lucas Tomlinson has the latest on that story. Alejandro Mayorkas will appear before... All right, all that one. I still had the uh, the previous story queued up here. Stand by. Here we go. Uh, here is the report from Lucas Tomlinson looking at a, uh, a potential government shutdown avoiding deal. Congressional leaders have said they have reached an agreement on a top-line budget that keeps the government funding for 2024. Again, these are just top-line numbers. This is not a final deal yet, and it does not include the supplemental bill that would strengthen the southern border and provide money for Israel and Ukraine. But President Biden releasing a statement celebrating the announcement of this top-line agreement, saying, quote, the bipartisan funding framework congressional leaders have reached moves us one step closer to preventing a needless government shutdown and protecting important national priorities. Now, meanwhile, Congressman Chip Roy out of Texas had this to say. Uh, he, he says uh, that, uh, that this top line in spending is terrible and gives away the leverage accomplished uh, in, in the already not great CAPS deal. We'll wait to see if we get meaningful policy writers, but but one, the NDAA was not a good preview, and two, as usual, we keep spending more money we don't have. Adam Brandon, who is the president of Freedom of Freedom Works, had, had this uh, in response to these top line figures uh, that were just uh, put out as well. Discretionary spending is not driving budget deficits and debt. That's a fact. The Congressional Budget Office projects that discretionary spending as a percentage of GDP will be lower in FY 2024 than it was in FY 1996. Projections are that discretionary spending will continue to tick downward over the next decade. Uh, Scrolling forward a little further in his statement here, what we need, we need Congress to begin focusing on solutions to that crisis rather than nibbling around the edges by arguing over discretionary spending which amounts to a little more than a quarter of federal outlays. Speaker Johnson promised a fiscal commission when he took the gavel in October. We are still waiting to see movement on that. This is a crisis that needs to be taken seriously, and we hope legislation to establish a fiscal commission becomes a top priority in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, Here's what else makes it it further uh, complicating for congressional Republicans is just the numbers. I mean, we've seen here over the past year or so where just a handful of, of more conservative Republicans can bring everything to a halt. And we've seen where just a handful of, of the more moderate uh, uh, members of the House can bring everything to a halt or can side with Democrats to undercut the rest of the Republican uh, majority in the House of Representatives. Well, now the numbers are even, are even tighter. 
uh, because you had uh, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy resign his seat from Congress. So they're short one seat now until until he gets a replacement. You had the expulsion of that crazy George Santos guy. Uh, So they're one uh, number lower there at a New York until he gets a replacement named. And then there was one other member of Congress that also uh, had had stepped down from Congress. So so that puts them down three seats from from what were already tight numbers uh, before as well. And so so what we still have in effect is the tyranny of the minority, even if the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of House Republicans are willing to take this fight on and to stand up for true border security. Uh, will they have the numbers or will the tyranny of the minority of just a tiny handful of more moderate Republicans stop uh, uh, stop uh, uh, them from 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 really taking on this fight. Uh, that's what we'll see here in the days ahead. All right, we'll get to your phone calls and more. 406-294-0970 right after this. We've got phone lines open for you. This is where Montana talks. Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right. Well, this is great. Just like that. We had a bunch of great phone calls come in during the break. Uh, we will get to every single one of our callers on the phone lines here. So uh, so bear with us. Uh, but uh, looking forward to hearing your phone calls. Uh, first up, let's go to Bob in Big Fork listening to KJJR. Bob, thanks for the call. What's on your mind? Hey, you're welcome, Aaron. Hey, I want to get your take on what's driving the Biden administration to allow this illegal immigration. You know, do they have cronies that are getting rich off of uh, helping these migrants or future votes? What What's your take on this? I don't understand why they're allowing this. Yeah, good question. What do you think? Uh, boy, I could go a lot of directions with this, but I'm I'm not sure. I it baffles me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the theory uh, all along is that they think that they're importing, you know, likely Democrat voters, right? Uh, and and what, what was the other one that you just said? The other reason? Uh, oh, I, I, are there people getting rich off it? I'm sure. I'm sure there that, that there's Democrat donors that are in some way profiting off of this, right? Uh, I think the larger thing that's happening right now is I think I think the Democrats. What did both Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden both say that they wanted to do? What did they promise when they were both running for president? They wanted to transform America. And I think and, – and how they do that is they create chaos. You have to, you have to tear down uh, the country as it, as it exists so that you can rebuild it into something else. Yeah, that's how you transform it into something else. First, you have to tear it down so that you can build it back better as they see it, right? And and so I think that's what they're doing. I think I think I think this this is deliberate chaos because they're trying to transform the country into something else. And I think they 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 want what what do they eventually want? They want us all dependent on government. They want us because if we're all dependent on government, and if then then we're dependent on voting for Democrats because because we we we, we then feel that we have to vote for more big government politicians because we're dependent on them. So I. I think that's what the bigger picture is here, uh, but I, I may be wrong. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're changing the population of the United States. Um, you know, if we have, you know, somewhere in the 330 million people and we're bringing 12 million people in, I think that's like 
four or five percent of the population or something like that. You know, I could be wrong on my numbers there, but um, anyways, it's a you know significant change in the demographic, and and you know I wonder about the voting. You know, are they trying to you know get more Democratic voters and? It yeah, really. It scares me. Well, and look at the way they've changed election laws, uh, you know, to to try to benefit themselves. And, uh, in, you know, they're allowing illegal aliens to vote in some municipal elections. They were pushing for that. And so how quickly would they try to make all of these folks official citizens so that they could allow them to vote in the elections? And no, I uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's that's still what they're trying to do, although. In, in some ways, it's backfired on them in some communities because a lot of Hispanics in America are 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 just as against, if not more so, against the illegal immigration that's taking place on the southern border right now, uh, uh, because they're seeing you know the real on the ground uh, effects of it right in front of them in their very own eyes. But but great question, Bob. Thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you. Uh, and by the way, I don't know if you saw this story. Um, the New York Post had a story over the weekend where. Apparently, a big brawl took place. Uh, uh, took place. A big melee broke out. Uh, you have you have a bunch of. Uh, it was like something like over four hundred so-called migrants were seeking shelter before the snowstorm, and uh, so a big snowstorm was was about to hit New York City. So over four hundred uh, illegal aliens were trying to get into shelter, and then a big brawl uh, erupted. So I, I thought. I thought climate change was why so many of these migrants were coming to America, according to Mayorkas. And now they're seeking shelter from that uh, horrific climate. Uh, yeah, Bob, thanks for the call. Great to hear from you. Uh, next up, hey, this is cool. Carrie White out of Bozeman on the phone lines right now. Carrie, I'm glad you called in. We had a caller last week on the show talking about, I think it was grizzly bears or something. And they asked if we were familiar with this with an organization. I think it's called Vital Ground, and I said, "God, we'll have to ask Carrie White about that one." And uh, here you are on the phone lines. Yeah, thanks, Aaron, for having me. Yeah, I heard that call on Friday on uh, VitalGround.org. Uh, looking at their website, they've got about five million dollars in cash on hand. They're sitting on about sixteen million dollars in assets. They are a land trust organization. Uh, partnering up with Nature Conservancy, National Wildlife Federation, uh, World Wildlife Fund, and those. Uh, according to the website, they are targeting private property. And what was interesting, Erin, was this morning you had Evelyn on, and she was uh, talking about these regulations that are coming down on private property. And you were saying, you know, regulation is, you know, as bad as taxation. Uh, but regulation or worse in some cases. Policy. Oh yeah, but regulation drives policy, and a lot of times policy drives regulation, and policy drives investment. So when you look at Biden's thirty thirty plan, uh, going all electric uh, by the year thirty thirty five or whatever that is, then you drive investment into solar, wind, and really failed policies. So this Biden 30-30 plan on conserving 30% of the United States by 2030 uh, is really driving land trust organizations to take control of and put conservation easements on private property. Now we're seeing a uh, push by the Securities and Exchange Commission 
to put these conservation easements, these uh, intangible assets, put them on the New York Stock Exchange, and then they'll be traded globally where China, foreign companies, uh, you know, people can invest in these conservation easements and these development rights, timber, agriculture, grazing rights, uh, mineral development, and then they will control the uh, development rights on private property and ultimately force the private property owner through these regulation of land trusts and uh, these asset companies, natural asset companies, that will ultimately control what you can and cannot do with your private property. This is just very dangerous going forward. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to open up the stock market so that not not for business to do business, but for radical environmental groups to use the stock market to do their business of shutting down the American economy, basically, is, is, is what they're working to do right yeah. now. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and you know, if you've got a local land trust that you're working with to put a conservation easement on, you would think that the land trust would have your best interest in mind. But they bundle these conservation easement development rights, and then they sell them off to these natural asset companies to be traded on the stock exchange. And you, as a property owner, are not notified that maybe China has invested in what you cannot do with your private property, and they dictate to you uh, whether you can put in a center pivot for expanding your production, whether you can cut timber, whether you can have a gravel pit or oil and gas development on your private property. And they elevate the importance of wildlife and wildlife habitat above development and private property rights. So be very skeptical of every single one of these organizations. That's why that, that caller called in last week was uh, was yeah. was great to put that organization on our radar for sure. Well, Kerry, what yeah. great to hear from you as always. I'd, I'd keep it going, Thanks, but we, we, yeah, thank you. I'd, I'd keep it going, uh, but we have a, a few more callers on the line, or a couple more callers on the line that we want to get to as well here. And but yeah, no, great to hear from you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you were listening in when we got that phone call because I knew if anybody would know, it would be Kerry White. Of course, a former uh, st- a state lawmaker out of the Gallatin Valley, and uh, he's also been heavily involved in, with uh, Citizens for Balanced Use, which fights for your access to your so-called uh, public lands. Next up, we got Tom in Bozeman. Tom, what's going on? Uh, yeah, uh, Aaron, I'm calling about a, a column here by George uh, Will, who is a uh, conservative columnist, and evidently uh, Biden's been using this campaign rhetoric of uh, thinking that Trump is a authoritarian and he's going to defeat democracy, where actually the history has been that Biden is the authoritarian and has been against democracy. Yeah, I think I saw a Babylon Bee headline uh, that's uh, that had Kareem Jean-Pierre in the photograph, and it, and it said uh-huh. uh, it said something to the effect of, like, Biden is the... The greatest dictator to ever save democracy, or something like that. It was a, yeah, it was a funny headline. Right. So, what did George Will have to say? I haven't seen his columns here of late uh, because I, you know, I've I've always uh, enjoyed George Will's commentary, uh, but I haven't seen his commentaries uh, more recently here. But I know he was a big uh, anti-Trump guy. So, uh, is but he is is he on the right track with this commentary? Uh, hold that thought, uh, Tom and Bozeman. I'll come back to you here right after the break. Uh, and then if you want to call in, give us a ring, 406-294-0970, or you can send us a quick message on our Montana Talks app.
Turn up your radio. Here's the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. We've got some insight into Joe's very, very busy schedule. Looks like Joe Biden's work schedule is lighter than we thought. Uh, Joe Biden now facing a potential public relations disaster because Republicans found that the 80-year-old Democrat had nothing on his public schedule for 13 days in a row. I mean, Linda, I mean, I, I got my long vacation of the year and it went like that. You, you know, in a blink of an eye, it's gone. You know, I'm, I'm energized, ready to go. You know, it's the presidential election year. It's going to be a roller coaster emotionally for everybody. And I'm back to work. I mean, these these people are off more than they ever work. Check out the Sean Hannity Radio Show later today, right here. We all hear the radio ads about the IRS. They tell you to be afraid, to be scared, and they try to frighten you into calling. I'm not here to do that. Tax Relief Advocates is different. TRA is here to tell you that if you owe money to the IRS, whether it's 5000 50000 or 500000 we have a solution. It doesn't matter if you're sitting in your car, at work, or with your kids. No matter where you are, call now. 800-575-9862. Don't lose hope. TRA can eliminate or reduce what you owe to the IRS. There is zero risk to you. If we can't reduce your tax debt, then you pay nothing. Our passion is taxes and helping individuals fix their IRS problems. We have a five-star rating on Google and Yelp and an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. You don't need to be afraid of the IRS any longer. End your tax nightmare today by visiting us online at TRA.com or call 800-575-9862. That's 800-575-9862. Tax Relief Advocates, real solutions for real people. Start saving on your wireless right now. Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. This is where Montana talks. You're listening to Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Oh, yeah, I had to pull up the actual Babylon Bee headline because it's much better uh, than I tried to relay just off of recollection there. (laughs) Corrine Jean-Pierre says Biden has done more to preserve democracy than any other dictator in history. (laughs) That's the Babylon Bee satirical headline that came out uh, January 5th, so uh, just a few days ago. Back to Tom and Bozeman. Yeah, uh, it was his uh, comments about a George Will column. Uh, talking about Biden uh, calling Trump an authoritarian that uh, brought that to mind. So what did George Will have to say? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, this, this is a January 4th column in the Bozeman paper, which doesn't have a whole lot to uh, uh, to recommend uh, the Bozeman paper. But here it says that uh, he, has, uh, he has completely uh, forgotten about democracy and uh, tried to be an authoritarian. He mentions the eviction moratorium the vaccine mandate, the cancellation of student debt. And here's what he said. Today, a Democrat executive and a Democrat-controlled Senate have cooperated in abusing power while histrionically warning against future authoritarian illegalities by Trump. So it's actually Biden who is the authoritarian. So this should pretty much blow his uh, campaign rhetoric about uh, campaigning about Trump being a threat to democracy. 
Well, exactly. Yeah. I'm glad George Will is saying it because I know he kind of became such a never Trumper that uh, that uh, it would seem like he would spend more of his time you know, complaining about the wrong things. And so it sounds like he's on the right track with this one. Yeah, he's, he's still not, I don't think, a supporter of Donald Trump, but he's certainly supporting him here in this particular instance and rem- uh, reminding us that Biden is the one who's the authoritarian and is using his uh, presidential power to... Uh, uh, to make uh, make rules that uh, are not supposed to be made. Yeah, so, yeah, he's the one. I, I thought too. Um, yeah, they you know they all, they they keep going after uh, you know uh, Donald Trump for questioning the 2020 presidential election. I thought Speaker right. Speaker Mike Johnson. He was on. I think was he on CBS's Face the Nation? Yeah, I thought he did a great job responding to that uh, to the liberal anchor on Face the Nation yesterday. Let me play a quick excerpt for you here. I've always been consistent on the record. Did you read the brief? Did you get a chance to read what we found with the Supreme Court? Well, I, I have read. Extensively, some criticisms of that. You read commentary about the brief, but not what we submitted to the court. But you recognize that President Biden won the 2020 election. Can you just put that aside? President Biden was certified as the winner of the election. He took the oath of office. He's been the president for three years. What the argument that we presented to the court, which is our only avenue to do so, was that the Constitution was clearly violated in the 2020 election. It's Article Two, Section One, and anyone can Google it and read it for themselves. The, the system by which you choose electors to elect the president of the United States uh, must be done by the individual states, and it, the system must be ratified by the state legislatures. That is language, plain so language of the Constitution. have issues with the validity of the 2020 election. The Constitution was violated. Anyway, his full response is great, but I just love the way he handled it. The Constitution was violated. Uh, and she hadn't even read the brief. That's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. I was going to go back to Tom and Bozeman, but I see we're getting short on time here. And uh, Frank and Evergreen didn't get a chance to weigh in yet. Frank, what did you want to share this morning? Oh, but back during the turn of the century, it was General Westmoreland was talking about the futility of nuclear war and mutually assured destruction. And uh, the fact that all it takes is one megaton bomb anywhere one mile above the continent of any continent, and there would be a flashover effect that would wipe out all semiconductors and all communications. There would be total chaos. Your electric cars would not work. I mean, everything would not work. It's just uh, the computers, cell phones. Everything. This world is not ready for that. It'd be total chaos. Talking about like the threat of uh, of an EMP, some sort of a nuclear EMP or something like that. Uh, exactly. Hey, could that be what the the China spy balloon was hovering over our airspace, trying to determine uh, what what can happen at different levels? Blah blah blah. You know, who knows? Uh, oh, speaking of uh, China, well, let's save that for the nine o'clock hour. This is the Montana Economic Minute. The government has power and governments need money. That's why taxes are compulsory. We pay them or we risk unpleasant consequences. This is what bothers a lot of people about taxes, but economists see the sense in it. Taxes are necessary, but they're also wasteful. Not in the way that they're spent, that's an entirely different topic, but because they encourage wasteful behavior. Some of that waste is easy to see. The money you pay and the time you spend filling out complex tax returns. Less obvious, but much larger, are the thousands of decisions we and our employers make to avoid taxes. One of the most basic is how much and how long to work. When the Reagan administration cut taxes by about 10% in 1986, Research showed that taxable income grew by about 10%. Cutting tax rates unleashed more work effort because people could keep more of their additional money that they earned. This isn't supply side or voodoo economics. It's how people behave and why lower rates help reduce waste. I'm Patrick Barkey.
brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research.